0: everyone to another episode of Podium Stories. Today, we have a really special guest in the building, you might know him. His name is John Lee Dumas. He's the host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, an award winning podcast where he interviews inspiring entrepreneurs who are truly on fire, like Michael Jordan, now that we're watching The Last Dance. Uh, He has over 2,500 episodes under his belt, over a million listens a month, and seven figures of annual revenue coming from the podcast and other sources. JLD is just getting started though. So if you guys want to know more about him, check out uh, eofire.com. And you'll love what you see over there. But with you, John Lee Dumas.
1: Marty in the house.
0: John, how's it going, man?
1: You know, Puerto Rico, sun is shining. Our birds are singing. Life is good.
0: (laughs) That's good. That's good. Um, Happy to have you, man. Uh, It's a pleasure.
1: Excited to be here. Thanks for hosting me.
0: Absolutely. So I've already introduced you to save time. So if you're, I want to be very respectful of, of this 15 minutes. So if you're down, we can get right I into it. I am
1: down, brother. Let's do this. Awesome.
0: So uh, the first thing that I want to ask you um, was, was a very tactical advice for, for myself as an uh, early podcaster in the game. If you had to go back with, you don't have the audience that you have right now, you don't have the connections, you don't have the JLD brand. Uh, what's the advice that you would give someone for
1: the first 12 months of starting a podcast? Only focus on solving one problem for a specific niche of listeners. Like right now, it's 2020. There are 850,000 podcasts out there, about 750,000 of them are all the exact same thing. Let me get entrepreneurs on the show and asking them the exact same questions that everybody's been asking all these years and they'll answer the exact same questions a thousand times and it's just like a a weak replica and duplication of things that have been out there. But like those podcasts that can win in 2020 and beyond are those that say, you know what, I'm gonna be a specific show serving a specific niche and solving a specific problem for my listeners. Those podcasts win. They win because they're different, they're unique, and they're solving real problems. Do you think you find out that niche eventually and you grow into it?
0: Or uh, it comes from the beginning and then you just keep going
1: at it? I think there's no simple answer to that question, but right. you need to try initially to identify a niche so that you can start getting traction within that niche. Because again, you're able to get down into an area that's not massively saturated with competition and you're able to solve those individuals problems better than anybody else. And then you need to engage with them, ask them what their biggest problems are and use that information they're giving to you to really you know make sure either a you 're in the right niche or help you shift and adjust and pivot into what actually niche you need to be in what actual problems you need to be solving based off of that feedback from your listeners
0: I love that and uh, I use you as somebody that I look in the mirror to to get better at as a host. You have over twenty five hundred episodes under your belt. What do you do as a host now? Uh, that what are the things you made a conscious effort to improve on uh, versus you as a host when you got started?
1: The biggest thing that I focus on as a host is I say to myself, who's my perfect listener? Who is my avatar? And that person is Jimmy. He's 40 years old. He has a wife and two kids, ages three and five. He has a 25 minute commute to work. Like I know my perfect listener amazingly well. And so every single time I'm interviewing somebody, I'm not interviewing them as John Lee Dumas, because guess what? I'm eight years into my business. I've been making multiple millions of dollars a year for eight years now. You know, I have my dream house, my dream business. My listeners, they're earlier in the journey. They're just starting or they're just a little ways in and they're trying to learn and grow and get momentum. So if I ask questions that just me, JLD had, they wouldn't be nearly as relevant as if I ask questions that Jimmy has, my perfect listener. So I put myself... In the shoes of my avatar my perfect listener and i come at at it with a mindset of curiosity always saying you know john what would jimmy be asked be be thinking right now as my guest is sharing this topic this explanation this thing what would jimmy want to know and then i try to ask those questions that's
0: so interesting to me because i on this this is my side project my real business Is an agency doing uh, content marketing as well. So uh, I wanted to ask you, how do you think, especially B2B CEOs can use a podcast to help their business as well, right? I think it has already provided returns for me um, besides my personal experience, which I love, but how do you think from a business standpoint that a podcast can help a company marketing strategy?
1: So a podcast can help a content marketing strategy just overall in general, because it's going to allow you to deliver free valuable and consistent content to a set of listeners who are going to grow to know like and trust you the host they're going to be able to trust you like you're not going to read a blog post and like immediately trust the author you're not going to like watch a three minute youtube video and immediately trust you know the person that created it but you're going to listen to like a 35 minutes you know podcast episode where it's literally your earbuds you know, are in and that person's voice is is delivering you value, not just one episode, not just two episodes, but 10 episodes, 20, 50. Some of my listeners will listen to thousands of my episodes. So they have this know, like, and trust so that when you turn to them and then say, Fire Nation, like, what is your biggest struggle right now? Like, what are you struggling with right now in this moment? They'll tell you, They'll be honest because they feel like they know you with their problems, their obstacles, their challenges. And then the best part is you can create the solutions. And since they know they can trust you, they're going to want the solution from you because you're the person that created the value. You're the person that built the trust. You're the person that asked the question of what they were struggling with. And now you're saying, here's the solution. You're welcome.
0: I love that. And uh, one of the things that I really like about, about your show um was especially in the beginning was different from the other shows because you were doing daily episodes right um uh, so i wanted to ask you about the process of getting great guests making them feel comfortable as well when they come in the podcast and how, what's uh, what's your way to attract those ideal guests that are maybe out of your league especially when you're starting in the beginning uh, and making
1: them want to be part of it well i'll start backwards because there's a few questions there so if you need to repeat yeah. any of them please do but basically one thing i want to share with people because i think it's super important is guess what? When you first start, you probably shouldn't have the big guests on your show because you're not ready as a host. You don't have an audience. So you're essentially potentially wasting their time because they're taking their time, energy, and effort. You know, I look at myself differently because, you know, I have a massive podcasting community where I teach people how to create podcasts. So I kind of feel obligated when people ask me to be on their show to say yes, because I want to say yes. Number one, But number two, it's like, if I'm going to be the person that's going to be out there promoting podcasting and encouraging people to start their podcast, like I really want to make time to be on their show. So I'm kind of an exception to the rule, but for the most part, like you shouldn't go for the big guests on your show in the first six to 12 months, because you owe it to yourself to become better at your craft. You owe it to your potential future guests to have a bigger audience, a more uh, impressive and well-structured podcast, and right. just be offering a overall better product for them to become a part of. And guess what? Mm-hmm. If you have somebody big in your show and you're terrible, and that leaves a bad experience in their mouth, that's that's the first you know experience they've had with you. Like that first impression is not going to go away, and they see you in the future. In the back of their mind, they gonna be like, "Man, that person just really kind of wasted my time. Was a little awkward. Like, nice to meet you." But if you instead crush it on a, on an episode because you've taken the time, you've put in the reps, you've gotten good and you just destroy it, which people, by the way, have done a great job with me in different interviews over the years. And I've been very impressed. I've seen them in person. I've been like, whoa, by the way, you were good for these reasons. And like, that's a great way to build relationships. Cause you know, when I started, it was just a different ball game. There was only a handful of interview podcasts, you know, in the business sector. And so it was just kind of this rarity. So people weren't overwhelmed with being asked by, to be on shows anyways. And I was bad, by the way. And I didn't do things you know, the right way. Now I'm looking back with all my experience and saying, this is the way I should have done things. And this is the way people should do things. And you know, I didn't follow my future person's advice because I didn't know that advice back in 2012, 2013, 2014. Right. And I learned the hard way, which I'm now you know, sharing my lessons learned with you and your audience right now. But you know, in my mind, listen, go after those people that aren't the big names yet, but are, that are looking to share their voice, their message, their mission with the world. And you become better by interviewing them. You guys both get better by interviewing each other. And then you're able to grow your skills, your knowledge, your value. And then when the time is right, you'll know it. Then you can go after these big names with a platform that actually matters. So That was the part that I wanted to answer first. What else do you want to dive into um, with your question?
0: Yeah, actually, tell me about patience, right? Tell me um, how you dealt mentally about seeing your success grow over time, but the things as a podcast host were not happening immediately.
1: So nothing happens immediately in the podcasting game, and that's why it's super valuable because, listen – people pod fade all the time because they jump in, they want instant success. They don't get it after three to six months and then they pod fade. They just go away because they didn't get that instant success. But like the people that have a plan that stick to that plan, that are consistent, that deliver valuable content, that are solving a real problem for a real niche of people, they stick around in a year, two years, three years later, something clicks and then boom, all of a sudden, you know, their podcast is a massive revenue generator for them. It's a massive audience generator for them. It's just a massive part of their business, but it takes time. Like you are planting a seed that's not gonna grow overnight. Like you are not gonna be doing a Facebook ad that's going to you know, cost you $1,000, but potentially give you a $5,000 sale. Um, it's not that. It's not that kind of instant gratification. It's you're building a foundation. You're building actual content in a base. And by the way, you're building skills and knowledge to serve you for years to come. Like that's the more mentality you need to be having when you're going into this kind of content creation game. Absolutely.
0: Uh, tell me about so something we don't often talk about is the team behind great uh, podcast hosts. So tell me about the team behind you and how you leverage them. What do you outsource uh, to that, and how they help you make your life easier?
1: I mean, it's really important as the entrepreneur to know what your zone of fire is. Like, what is the thing that you do that you have to do that nobody else can do? Like you need to do those things. Everything else, you should try to be building a team around it so that you are being able to double, triple, quadruple down on your zone of fire and let other people handle the other parts of your business. So, you know, I have a great team. You know, I've got my business and life partner, Kate. She handles a ton of the back end, the organizational thing, side of things, all of those different areas. You know, I have a personal assistant, you know, who does like my editing, my uploading, like all the technical stuff for the podcast. You know, we have two other virtual assistants who handle social media, day-to-day interactions uh, via email, support all of this different stuff, our uh, Facebook group, you know, management. And it really just allows me to, of course, be a part of all of those things, right. but not have to like, take all of those things on. So building the team out is huge. You know, we do have a small team. You know, it's just myself, Kate, and essentially three full-time virtual assistants. And, of course, we do have some independent contractors that do different things with our, with our business as well, but kind of on a case-by-case basis. And that's what the team looks like.
0: What about in terms of research for, for guests, right? Because you're bringing in guests so often. Uh, does somebody help you with the research uh, to make sure you're prepared? Or is that something that you do by yourself?
1: There's a lot of different schools to thoughts when it comes to researching a guest. And I think there's no right or wrong way to do this. I think the people that spend hours researching a single individual guest Power to them. Like, that's awesome. I'm sure you have a lot of really interesting things that happen in that episode as a result of your in depth knowledge of that. For me, I had to be practical. I was going to do a daily podcast. I wasn't going to be spending hours researching every single guest when I was doing 30 episodes every single month, 365 per year. So instead, I said, you know what? What would this look like if it was as simple as possible? It's like a Tim Ferriss line that I, I definitely do love. Like, what would this look like if it was easy? And for me, I was like, well, I would do no research. Right. And then I said, well, what's the, the, the positives on that? Because there's obviously some negatives, but what are the positives? Well, I wouldn't have to do any research. And number two, huh, I would actually be going into the episode as clueless as my listeners because my listeners are doing research on my guests. Great point. So yeah. now I'm able to ask the questions that my listeners have because i have the same questions because i don't know anything i'm curious i'm going to ask those questions much more likely because there is a thing called the curse of knowledge like when you have knowledge even if you kind of try to push it off to the side you still have that knowledge and it's very likely you won't ask the questions that you probably need to be asking because you just assume your listeners know because you know the information they probably do as well but a lot of times that's not true so I, I do zero minutes, zero seconds of research for any of my guests. I never have, I never will. And I literally, for most of my guests, as I'm hitting the call button, I'm reading their 30-word bio and that's the only thing that I know about them.
0: I love that. Uh, John, I wanna be respectful of your time, so we have to let you go. Uh, we'll put the links for our listeners, but I wanted to, to say thank you for, for being here and I really appreciate your time.
1: Very much welcome. Thanks for having me on and have a wonderful day. Take care. You too.